Welcome to the Relentless Forward Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Jungling, and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by GI Associates. GI Associates is one of the largest gastroenterology clinics in the southeastern United States, and as a colon cancer survivor, uh, it's important for me to get the word out on how important it is to get your screenings done as soon as you are eligible. Colon cancer is deadly, it's detestable, and it's awful, but it's curable a lot if caught early. And it can be caught early often by screening and getting your screening done. And people are being diagnosed with colon cancer at, a, at an earlier an earlier rate all the time. And um, it's important to get your screening done. You may think you're invincible and it doesn't um, apply to you, but it does. So get your screenings done if you are eligible. If you want to um, get an appointment at GI Associates, call 601-355-1234. That's 601-355-1234. Tell them that Jeremy sent you and that you want to schedule your colon screening, and they'll take care of you. Uh, if you listened to last the last podcast, I had a guest on by the name of Chris Warner. Um, Chris Warner is a nationally renowned leader um, in mountaineering, in entrepreneurship, in teaching leadership. He's worked with Fortune 500 companies, covert operations team, NFL champions. Um, he speaks to the likes of uh, Google at their headquarters and things like that. So it was a real honor to have him on the podcast. And if you missed that one, you are going to want to go back and listen to it. Pretty much, if you just want to hear amazing stories of from places where most of us will never see or know anybody that will ever be there, Chris is the guy you want to listen to. But if you're interested in leadership and motivation, he's pretty powerful. Uh, someone that listened to the program, that um, to the episode that, that is a close friend of mine, she said that she could not, she was blown away by how great the episode was and she just could listen to it all day long. Not because of me, but because of the guest, um, Chris Warner. Chris was an amazing guy, so go back and check that out. I think you'll really enjoy it uh, one way or another. So if you listen to that podcast, you probably heard in the intro that I mentioned that after about six years in various roles with um, a local-run specialty business known as Stinky Feet Athletics, I have moved on and started my own business. And my business is simply called Run Strong. And Run Strong uh, is going to be a business where I continue to do things that a run specialty business does. I will do training. Um, that's group training. I will do personalized one-on-one coaching. I will also have a focus on corporate wellness, and that wellness will be achieved through different types, different types of programs for employees to improve their vitality, their production, and to allow businesses to reach the community at large through events such as 5Ks, social runs, uh, things like that. Um, so it's just a different way for companies to engage both with their customers and their employees and um, you know, make their job satisfaction a little better for their employees. Uh, check out runstrong.fit if you have a chance. That's runstrong.fit or you can just find on Facebook as runstrong. There's a couple on there, but uh, just look for Run Strong, and um, you should be able to figure out which one it is. So there'll be a lot going on there. We're going to be doing events, um, some races. i got a lot of exciting stuff, so follow there. I'll put the link to the Facebook page in the show notes um, as well. And lastly, I'd like to give a shout-out to two of the athletes that I coach and have coached for a long time, um, Bobby Rush and Pam Sumrall. Um, they are, well, I'm recording this episode on the 
on July 20th and tomorrow, July 21st, they're both competing in something called the Big Butts uh, 50K and 100K. And they are each doing the 50K. It's going to be incredibly challenging. The uh, heat index is going to be somewhere between 110 and 115. On race day, it's on trails. It's muddy. It's incredibly hot. I have um, done started this race three times and only finished it once. It's phenomenally challenging, but they've trained really hard, and it's been an honor to work with them. So um, hopefully by next podcast episode, I'll be able to give them a shout-out for finishing that. But keep your fingers crossed. And so good luck to Bobby and Pam for going after something pretty big and pretty challenging and pretty amazing. Um, this week's guest in the podcast is, uh, we call him kind of a guest co-host. It's Mike McElroy. Mike is a coach with OPEX Fitness. Um, I originally met Mike when I started attending his gym when I needed some help with some strength training. And eventually, uh, Mike and I kind of um, realized we had a lot of um, intersecting ideas and um, things that um, kind of made sense to each other and that we like to bounce ideas off each other. And at one point, we actually attended a coach, a run coaching clinic um, put on by Coach Jack Daniels, who's a legendary coach. Um, and we went to a coaching certification clinic in Atlanta together. And on the drive there and on the drive back, had a lot of discussions um, about endurance training and coaching and strength training and all that stuff. So that's why Mike has been in the program a number of times. He's someone I bounce a lot of ideas off. He still guides me in a lot of my um, fitness goals. And when I have questions for him, he's always there to answer me. And so Bob or um, Mike is a great resource to listen to. And today we talked about um, 80-20 principles in training, how to get the most out of your training, whether or not you should hire a coach, and whether or not it's a good idea to join a fitness program for weight loss. I think you'll like the program. Uh, Mike has a lot of good things to say. He'll also tell you about how you can get into a flow state listening to some uh, unconventional music. Um, But that's it. So enjoy the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Give us a rating and review on uh, iTunes if you would. Leave a comment on Podbean. And um, you find your, again, find our Facebook page, uh, RunStrong, or visit runstrong.fit to check out the new business. And that's it. So enjoy the episode. Gotta run. All right, I'm here with Mike McRoy, and we are talking about Dave Matthews. Who's excited about Dave Matthews? Everybody should be excited about Dave Matthews. <laughs> he, they, he just came to the Brandon Amphitheater, and it was packed out. Did you go to the no, show? No, tickets were too expensive. So thanks for joining the uh, Relentless Forward podcast. This is Jeremy, and I'm here with Mike McElroy, who apparently uses Dave Matthews Band to get in the flow state. I feel you, like we should talk about this this more than anything else. Do you else. not have something that like gets you into a flow state when you're writing programs or, or working? Do you have a certain music that you listen uh, to? Actually, I listen to, I have like a Pandora station or a Spotify station for, but mine, it's real calm. I listen to like the Iron and Wine station. They're real, almost depressing music, which probably isn't the best thing, but uh, sort of. I listen to that because it's mindless. Or if I'm writing out, if I'm doing a lot of, if I'm doing plans and stuff, I'll sometimes put on like classical music because there's no words, there's no, it's just white noise in the back. Just talking to the guy that was just in here, um, brain.fm, if you go to that website, it's a website that has different styles of music for different reasons like you can go focus or you can go energy or calm or whatever um but it is a paid service but you get like free five free test runs or whatever and their options for the test runs are like 30 minutes one hour two hours but there's also an infinity 
So if you leave the infinity on there, leave the tab open, you can make that last for longer than five sessions. Oh, so you already are, so you know how to cheat on this. Yeah, but my tab shut down more than five times, oh. so now I don't have it anymore. But it is a good, it is good music for that kind of stuff. So I have a playlist. I carry my phone when I run. So I could argue it's for safety, but mainly, which I, it really is because I bonk so many times that I often have to call my wife to come get me. But um, I have running playlists, and my some a lot of times I listen to an audiobook or podcast, like the Relentless Forward podcast, which is great for listening to in long runs or moderately long yeah. runs. But anyway, what I what I also do, I went to the grocery store yesterday, and I was listening to. Uh, um, I was listening to a podcast on the way over, and I, I didn't, I never really realized I did this before, but I like to grocery shop, like gorilla shopping. Like I get in, I got my headphones on, like my hat's low. Nobody's going to talk to you. It's intense. Like I want to get in and out of there. You know, my wife is looking around, <laughs> and I realize I always turn on my running playlist when I walk into the grocery store, and I just, I just say, I want to rock and just get intense. That's weird. That's weirder than me liking Dave Matthews. It might be a little bit. I like to get in a flow state while grocery shopping. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about today, is it? Um, no, I don't. What are we talking about today? Mindset of people when they sign up for fitness programs. It's a good topic. So you probably, uh, you probably have a wider variety of people. Let me say this differently. You probably have a wider variety of motivations from yeah. people that come in. Yeah. Wider, wider variety of goals or yeah, motivations is a better way. Yeah, um, I would say yes and no. I would say on the surface they're pretty similar. When you get deeper, then they're probably a wider variety. Maybe. Do you feel like you? Um, get people who are already a little farther along in a fitness journey or do you yeah. have a lot of I guess for lack of a better yeah. term beginners Newbies. um no yeah I mean all of my most of most all of my remote people are more advanced and more advanced crossfitters my local people are either less advanced or they're not competitors so some of them are just as advanced as far as time in the gym and experience, but they're not trying to compete. They're just trying to be healthy. So what's the main, when people come but, to you? But so many people come to me and this is just speaking from the, you know, fitness, um, for coaches perspective, most people come to a fitness program, whether that's CrossFit, run your uh, program, um, the YMCA, 24-hour fitness, you know, whatever it is, they join whatever it is to lose weight. And in my perspective, that alone is starting off on the wrong foot, the wrong mindset. Yeah, and I agree. And I do get a lot of people, <clears throat> you know, there's a, I think there's a program out there called Running for Weight Loss. It's, maybe it's an app, I don't know, but it, it promises you if you follow this plan, you will yeah. lose weight. Yeah. And, yeah, for me, that... There, there might be people that that's important for and that it would actually work for, but there's a lot of people that it, it doesn't make any sense for. Right. So why doesn't it, why doesn't that make sense for like, if people come to you and they say, oh, Mike, I want you to coach me yeah. and you say why, and they say, I want to lose 31 pounds. Yeah. Well, if they, 
if they come to it and say that, and then we go into what we're going to do to do that, then that's one thing. But if they come to me and they say, I need to work out this many hours, I need to do this kind of working out, which is high intensity cardio or whatever, so that I can, I can lose weight, then we have an issue because that's simply doing more aerobic work or cardio is, is not, is just not what helps people lose weight when it comes to physiology. I mean, it's, you have to eat the certain way to lose weight. You know, what I always use the example of who are the leanest people in the world? They're bodybuilders. How much cardio do they do? Zero. So where's the disconnect of what the goal is and what it takes to get to that goal? So how do you redirect people? How do you handle that? What's the, you know, cause it's a mindset. And I think, you know, we talked about this before, but like if you, you're, we're beat down by marketing yeah. by different brands all over the place that you have to lose weight, yeah. that weight is the biggest issue. And I was thinking about this recently with BMI cause I've been, I keep track of, I have that Garmin scale that measures everything. Mm-hmm. And I'd always been skeptical of BMI because it didn't make sense for me. Right. But the more I think about it, it actually kind of makes some sense. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit later, but let's talk a little bit about how, well, and, well I was going to say is people think there's like shortcuts to yeah. losing weight too. And usually if you come in with a mindset that I need, I have, I have to find a shortcut to losing weight, you're almost, it's like a double whammy of yeah. two things to your whole idea, your whole concept is wrong. So how do you redirect people and, well, to me, it's just, it's one, it's education on what actually works, and two, asking more questions into why they're doing it or why they even think they need to lose weight in the first place or what, what that's going to get them. Um, because two things, if they if they do the running or whatever the exercise program is just to lose weight, and maybe they do fast track it, maybe it does work temporarily. One, they, they don't enjoy the training, so it's not going to be last, it's not going to be long term. So they're not going to keep doing it for a long time, 40 years plus, if they don't enjoy it. It's fast track, so it's not optimal for what's going on inside from a hormone standpoint, from a, again, from a longevity standpoint, from just a relationship with exercise standpoint. If they don't like it, they know that it's a punishment. Same thing that's ta- yeah. taught in schools as you know, kids. What do you do when you get in trouble playing basketball? You go run. So now it's a punishment. So... It's not a good relationship with exercise, again, which affects your long-term ability to stay in it. And I think, you know, for me, I started running, <clears throat> I probably told this story before, but I started in about 2000, I think it was 2008, maybe 2007, and I was 220 pounds, which I'm only 5'10", and like this morning I weighed 171, so that's almost 50 pounds ago, which seems incomprehensible. I don't know that, I because I didn't at the time, like you didn't, you wouldn't look and say that guy needs right. to lose 50 pounds. Yeah. And I always thought oh, I need to lose 10 or 15 pounds just to be healthier, to be more fit. But I was way off on that estimate. But you know, for me, that's, I that's when you really thought BMI was dumb. That's yeah, well, yeah, it was really <laughs> stupid. Yeah, because yeah, it was way off, I'm not overweight. But so I did start running to lose weight. For the most part, I really, but I also was chasing some secondary goals, which was if I lost weight, I would look better. If I lost weight, I would feel better. I wouldn't feel so tired. My skin would look better. I don't know, just whatever it might be. Um, 
So, but but I wasn't joining a program either. I had no idea what I was doing. And frankly, for the first three, four, five, six months, I flailed around. I had good results, but mainly that was just that initial transition for my body into doing something that I had never, ever done before, which almost immediately resulted in improved nutritional choices. And I think for most people, there is an initial reaction where you start doing something, it's your body reacts and says... Yeah. But, that, but that effect is short-lived. Yeah. And the other problem is it doesn't last for most people. It stuck with me, but I don't think for most people it lasts because they start making mistakes. They're not motivated for the right reason. Yeah, I would say you're definitely a unique case. And well, that's anybody See, we in, agree on that. <laughs> anybody who's in in the fitness industry and maybe they tell their story of being you know, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, whatever, overweight, and now they're not, and they've stuck to it, and now they're in the fitness industry as a, as a instructor or a coach or whatever. You have to go ahead and assume that you're a unique case. And unfortunately, you have to understand that to really change somebody's behaviors is nearly impossible. And so to get to, to preach to the mass market that all you have to do is this, this, and this, because I did it, is, is flawed. Because you have to get into there's there's there was more going on that we can maybe get into or maybe you're not even aware of or maybe you are aware of it. There's there was more going on in your head that kept you kept you there and kept you motivated and kept you doing what you're doing. And like I said, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, obviously you latched onto it and enjoyed it. If you don't enjoy it, that's the that's the biggest issue. You're not going to stick to it. And if if you just telling yourself putting your shoes on in the morning and getting out on the road every morning, you're just like. I hate this, but it's going to get me to those last 10 pounds. It's not going to stick. And that's where people get burnt out. And that can be CrossFit. That can be HIIT. That can be anything. You know, the flip side of some of that is is sometimes people are intimidated because they just want to do something simple. You know, and I, I always tell people the bottom line with your running, with endurance, biking, triathlon, whatever, is first thing you need to do is just do what you enjoy. Do it in a way that you enjoy. Yeah. And learn to like stoke the fires of that love, and really get into it. And just and do if you want to run fast, run fast. If you yep. want to run slow, run slow. If you want to skip down the road, skip <laughs> down the road. Eventually, though, that's not going to yield the results that you ultimately are looking for. But you know, it depends what your results are. If you're yeah. going for weight loss, even there, it, it might work initially, but you're not gonna. It's still gonna feel like you said, like a like a punishment or a chore. Yeah. Like, I have to go out and do this. Well, and, and even, and sorry to interrupt, but you, you mentioned, like, you did get results early on, and you mentioned that, that that's common for people who haven't done anything, and they start doing something, they get results. And and there's so many people that I've seen coming through this door and go through Marathon Maker. I don't even know if that's still a thing, but there's so many people that I saw go through that and come here and not make anything changes outside of that, and they don't. It doesn't matter if they come from nothing for 50 years and they start doing something. They don't get the results. Exercise alone is not going to do what they think it's going to do. And, you know, I have done some, worked with some corporations on wellness through running um, for some of their company, some of their employees. And the first thing I noticed was any level of exercise, even a small amount of walking, their first instinct, and they want to lose weight, but their first instinct is that they need to eat more mm-hmm. of anything. Yeah. They need to fuel all this work you're doing. Yeah, it's some sugar Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> And so I learned the second time around that I did it, I told all these people, these were very, very sedentary on average group of people where a 20 minute walk in the first day was a nightmare for yeah. most of them. They were sore from the warm up. Yeah. Um, 
But the first thing I said to him was, you are not doing enough of anything to yeah. increase. And, and there was a, another person doing the nutritional part of this program, and I said, just stick with that nutritional part, but do not even think you can increase your amount of intake of right. anything. You don't yeah. need more protein. You don't need yeah. more carbohydrates. So some of these marathon, yeah. these big marathon training groups, you've referenced Marathon Makeover, um, what I used to see when they were out on the trails is I always called it like the marathon buffet. Yeah. Like these people would be out there and they would just be eating the whole yeah. time. Yeah. And they were working at a pretty low effort well, level. Yeah. And we've talked about that too. Even if they're doing speed work, if their training abilities are so low, like I've referenced my mom before, like she can't do speed work. Like she's not strong enough to even do speed work. So even if it's written as speed work, they're still in a purely aerobic system, and they don't need extra calories. They don't need any extra calories. Yeah. I was shocked. I would see people literally, they'd be seven miles into a 16-mile walk, which was impressive because it was hot, and these are yeah. generally right. heavier people who had not clearly not done had done anything for a long time. But they were doing themselves no favors by eating an entire sandwich walking down the trail. Yeah. They have plenty of, you know, their it's muscles might get fatigued. It was, it was something else. If you can eat an entire sandwich. You're not going fast enough to need an entire sandwich. <laughs> right. That's it. That's it. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> well, so that goes a little bit into one of the other things we want to talk about was, um, was training principles. Well, before we get into that, because that's kind of shifting gears a little bit. The, I was ready to shift gears. <laughs> I just thought about something with reference to my mom. She started walking and you mentioned walking with that group and like, well, two things before I even get to that, I thought of. So often, these people who are, who are having these goals and joining these programs, it's because they have a friend or look up to somebody who has a certain body type that does that certain activity, which does not mean that you need to do that activity to get that certain body type. One, you don't have that body type already, so it's not going to create that. Two, that person enjoys it. It doesn't mean that you're going to enjoy it. So just because I do CrossFit and it's the method I use to stay fit, doesn't mean that Jeremy should see me and hey, say, hey, I want to look like that. This is when you were 220. I want to look like that, so I'm going to start doing CrossFit. Maybe you hate CrossFit. Maybe you hate lifting weights. So it's the same principle. You don't need to do it because you're not going to enjoy it stick to it. Just because they do it and they have X body doesn't mean that that's the right one for you. Off of that, onto walking my mom, like getting people started in that. I tell people that all the time. Like when they start with me, I've had several people that have started with me that you asked earlier if I get a lot of newer people. And when I get newer people, the biggest thing we start with is routine. And so a lot of times we start with maybe two or three days in the gym, but the other two or three days, they're going for a walk. And what is that walk doing? Again, just like you were saying, it's not for burning extra calories or anything. All it's doing is getting them in a routine of blocking that time out to work out. And it's getting them some sunshine. It's getting them some separation from work, so decreasing stress. It's getting them, you know, it's getting helping their rhythm, their daily rhythm uh, with hormones and everything. So it's helping on a lot of layers below what you see. And I agree with that. I think, and what I do for some of the people I coach is, not all of them, but some of them, I want to get them in that routine. Even these are pretty, you know, I'll call them advanced athletes. They, they're doing Ironman triathlons mm -hmm. and marathons. They've been doing this for a long time. But even on the days that are that are not active days, in that they're not actually doing a training workout, there's nothing specific planned. A lot of times I'll call them super recovery days, and there's mm -hmm. things that they have four or five things they're supposed to do. Denise 
who is someone I've coached for a long time, she takes her super recovery day seriously. She goes to the cryo spa, she gets a massage, she hydrates, she rests, she does just everything she can, and then she knows she's going back to work the next day. Um, but one of the other things you said was you see people who, you know, they see someone else like, oh, they did it, so mm-hmm. I think that's going to work for me. And there's this, I, I don't remember what it's called, but there's some kind of, it's a thing. It's like an ex, the fallacy of, of someone who's an expert. Someone in there, you think someone's an expert on something just because they've done it once or twice or a lot. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't always correspond back to you. Right. And that doesn't make somebody a coach or someone who's right. They might not understand the principles of what they're doing. They might be a unique case where they're doing everything that probably won't work for anybody else, but yeah. happens to work for them. Yeah. Or they're not good at passing along that information. And I I can look back on my coaching when I first started, just kind of on a volunteer basis for the local, for Stinky Feet. Um, it was, I, I had some expertise more than other people just because I had dived so deeply into it once yeah. running kind of took hold of me. But at the same time, most people, and it's probably this way now, they're just kind of willing to listen to me. Nobody ever asked for my certifications. They don't ask what books I've read. They don't ask for my concepts. Um, They're just willing to follow it because I've said I know a lot about running. I know a lot about endurance athletics. You have a podcast about it. I have a podcast about it. it, So clearly (laughs) I know what I'm talking about. But you know what I mean? So well, even even it's dangerous. Modeling, it's thin ice. It can be thin ice if you just look at somebody and think, "Well, they did it, yeah. so I'm going to do it." Well, and and even modeling the best of the best, you got to remember they're the best of the best. Not not just because of their training program, but a lot because of who they are, oh, and they're just more sure. resilient. You know, we talk about this a lot with CrossFit because there's a lot of truth to this, and and you know, we as OPEX we coach CrossFit competitors and. A lot of people compare, you know, what they're doing to what the top in the CrossFit world are doing. You know, Matt Frazier and Rich Froning, those are some of the top people, you know, that won the games the last several years. And they are on a specific training program. They do it themselves and, you know, they don't have this all this structured stuff. And the reality is they're the reason they're the best at sports because they're more resilient than the rest of us. And they could be on any program and they're going to improve. Right. And that's why they're better. You and have some, to look past that. <laughs> and I tell, uh, you know, it's kind of like I, I tell athlete, athletes that I coached before, like it's nothing I'm giving you is some magic right. mystery. Yeah. It might look really impressive, yeah. but it's not. Like I see some of your workouts that you or James Fitzgerald put out, and it's the, it looks like I'm looking at algebra, <laughs> and my, mine are so simple. <laughs> like uh, just do three miles at this pace. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, most people even can't come up with that, and they can't periodize it. They yeah. can't figure out, you know, where it's all going. Um, but, yeah, so that's interesting. But so did you want to talk about the 80-20? Yeah. Are we, can we change to that topic now? Yeah. Is that acceptable? Sorry, today? I had those two points that I really <laughs> thought about. That's what um, happens when you have a – what did we call you? The uh, co-guest, special guest host, co-host? I don't know. I think we've changed it every time. But now he's taken over. He's just <laughs> like, well, here's what we're going to talk about today. But you, so we talked about training principles, and um, you had mentioned the 80-20 principle. So in, as yeah, far was, as you understand it, what is that? Well, first, I mean, this, this started because I was I was thinking about, like I said, I, I train mostly, especially in a remote setting, I train mostly CrossFit competitors. So I was thinking about our training or what I give to those athletes and how much of it is sub-maximal efforts, percentages, and how much of it is at 
race pace or faster. And for us, race pace, we say, is about a 12-minute pace because as far as the open workouts go, that's about the average of, of how long they're going to last. So for us, race pace, we just say is 12 minutes. So how much of that is sub-maximal and how much of it is faster? And obviously, that's a faster time domain than what most of your people are doing. Most of them aren't doing a two-mile or three-mile run. Most of them are doing a minimum 5K, so it's longer. So, But the question was, because I, I know that in the endurance books that I've read, that majority of it is slower pace to build volume, to build road capacity, and and minority of it is race pace or faster. So I asked you, and you said 80-20 during most of the time of the year when it's really hot, you even go to 90-95% is slower. Um, and so the question was, for me, how do I, how does that translate to my sport? But two, getting people to understand that that's how much work really needs to be slower than hard. Like yeah. They don't need to be working as hard as they think every single day. And they're working. And the, 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 so 80-20 for me is, it, it just kind of works out that way. And I usually don't even put a ton of thought into what right. percentage you're working. But right. I can tell in any given week, especially in the summer, and I know this through my own experience, but, you know, people getting the other thing is of that 80, you have to, this is what one big difference between coaching and just following a training plan. I can give somebody a training plan that says, here's run your easy pace. Well, that, what that'll just say is they just think this pace is their easy pace and they all will go on the fast end of that yeah. or they'll try and half the time they'll go faster than that. And they'll, they'll be upset because they're oh, I'm tired. It's terrible. Yeah. But they're all working still harder than they should. Yeah. And until you get into really a coaching relationship where you know that there's somebody on the other end looking at what you're doing, looking at, you know, it might be heart rate. I don't put a lot in heart rate. But sometimes you can tell if somebody's just, if they're supposed to be aerobic and they're that 85% of max yeah. for the whole run and they're not Lance Armstrong, <laughs> they're doing they're going too fast. Yeah. I don't but, know how your records are of like when you're coaching clients, like what you see of, of their reporting and whatnot, but obviously you have heart rate as a feedback, um, which is more consistent for you than it is for me. Um, but like in our notes, like I'll see somebody, I'll have like a 45 minute easy row. And I'll be like, man, that got spicy at the end. And I'm like, you completely missed the point then because yeah. it was not supposed to. <laughs> well, and so, and so for me, if anyone's like, so if what we're talking about here is, and if I give somebody, give an athlete, let's just put it in a week segment. You know, 80, on a, just on average, 80 to 85% of that is going to be just easy aerobic work. Whether, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're cycling, swimming, running. Yeah. That percentage for maximal results generally, in my opinion, needs to be about that percentage. Because the alternative is, that's the, well, that's the system you're trying to work. You're trying to work that aerobic system. And building a big aerobic base takes just a lot of small deposits in the bank account. You just put little pennies in, and eventually it builds up. But you have to keep – it's not a fast result kind of thing. And the other thing is, as you get older, as you increase volume, your chance of injury is much higher. Your time to recovery is a lot worse or is a lot slower. And, you know, even that aerobic window – for most runners is pretty big. Like, so, and what, here's the other thing that people don't think about a lot. Let's say like for me, my easy aerobic pace, regardless of heat or, you know, let's say all things being equal, my aerobic pace, easy aerobic is going to be from eight fifteen pace to nine fifteen, And anywhere in that window, 
of that pace generally, it's going to produce an effort level that is aerobic. I'm going to be working aerobically in there. But so what most people do. Which, let's explain that a little bit. Like, okay. Because for what a lot of people see is just the pace. And so they say, yeah, your your easy runs are at nine minute pace, but you're telling me I need to run at a 10 minute pace. And that's, that's just too slow. I'm, I'm trying to run. My goal is a 945 or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but the effort, if you watched, if we came and saw you running at an eight and a half minute pace, we would be able to step in and have a conversation with you. You would, you can walk away from it with no issues. Like, yeah. And what the a truly aerobic run is com- pretty comfortable, pretty comfortable. If you are not conversational while you're doing, at least for endurance, if you're not conversational while you're doing aerobic work, you're going too fast. All right. A couple of years ago, I had to finally tell my whole training group, they were all doing their easy runs faster than me, significantly <laughs> faster. And I finally just one day posted on the Facebook page, said, if you are running an easy run and you are doing it faster than me, you are doing it wrong. Because yeah. until one of you beats me in a race, <laughs> in yeah. any distance, you're, yeah. you should not be doing it. They're and just that, doing it And wrong. that's one of the things, we're going to spend a ton of time here, but that's where one of the things that people miss in crossfit is they look at people and they look at the volume that the matt fraser the rich Fronty, and those guys are doing and the times they're doing it in so use 150 wall balls for instance and they <laughs> let's say they do it in six minutes we see that time as regular humans and we're like well they must have been suffering and it's like no he walked away from it and did something else five minutes later right with no issues so it's it's Again, comparing yourself to others, you can't. In fact, I posted this question the other day on Instagram. What What is your biggest holdup with aerobic work, building aerobic capacity in the sport? And somebody said not having somebody there that's at the same level or higher. And I said, in my opinion, that can actually be a detriment to your training because if, and I, I compared it to running. If I have, if I ran all my intervals with you because I wanted to run your pace. You would have a great race, and I would be dead at the end of it because I'm overtrained. And I've been working too hard the whole time. So it, it doesn't. When you're training your aerobic stuff, you need to be in your time domain and your efforts. And those those efforts, or the, the the effort level you put out, is going to change a lot. It's the pace is just a guide. Mm-hmm. And what I was saying earlier is, if if I give somebody a one minute window, run your easy runs in this window. Their initial goal is to oh they think they're doing a better job if they're on the lower end of the window. So if it's eight fifteen to nine fifteen, they think, well, if I run at eight eighteen, that's the best possible run. And I actually look at that and think, actually, that's the worst possible run you could do. One is probably hot. Two, yeah. you're fatigued. So actually, you're probably not even working. Yeah, the chances of you getting great sleep last night, food being perfect, no weather's stress, great. weather's perfect, which is what it would need for that to line up to be the best right. run. Right, and chances that are. Almost it's not. almost nothing. <laughs> and then the other thing is they've also reduced the amount of time they've spent at that aerobic yeah. workout because they're going a minute per mile faster. So if that's an eight-mile aerobic run, they just train for eight minutes yeah. less that's true. for no reason. But people yeah. constantly – the other thing I see people do is – Because the point is volume and just aerobic capacity. Time at so that. If you, and yeah. The, and the time you spend on your feet. And if you train aerobically properly, that – you can keep increasing the amount of time you spend in an aerobic effort, and it can last forever. So when people see me go out and do 8, 9, 10 miles day after day after day, they're like, ah, you know, I sure would like to do that. And, but I've put in yeah. – I've, I've run almost 11,000 miles in the last, like, 10 years, yeah. 9 years, 8 yeah. years. 
Like, that's a lot of miles. It's taken me all that time to build up that aerobic base. And there's still people out there. This way, yeah. don't compare yourself to others. There's tons of people out there who don't train nearly as much as I do, and they can go out and knock out 10, 12-mile runs yeah. aerobically, too. Well, and you can see how how we we focus on it as CrossFit coaches, why it's so important for people to stay aerobic. Because if it if from your experience and the people you coach, you know that it makes their speed run the next day harder if they run too fast. Just think about if they have to go in and do five by five back squats the next day, and they did that aerobic session a little bit too fast. That sounds terrible, no matter whether they <laughs> did anything. Just but if they if they do aerobic training properly, then the strength training can go perfectly with that, and they can get stronger. Yep. But if they're always running their easy, if they're always doing their easy training at threshold, then their their strength is going to get plateaued. And so I've had people say before, you know, this this. Uh, this is a, this gets a little confusing because I'll say I'll people say well I'm going to do a marathon and my goal pace is nine minute pace so I'm going to run as many miles at nine minute pace as I can. Well, there's two things and that's not a terrible idea because generally that's probably going to fall in an aerobic zone. Yeah. The problem is that what a lot of people do is they look at their average pace for a run overall. So let's say they go out and do a 16 mile run. They're like, oh, I average nine minutes per mile. Well, but how did you come about that? Did you start off way too fast and, and positive split? And so you were really only aerobic for, you know, yeah, for 20% of that time and the rest yeah. of the time you were struggling? Um, or is it the other way? Did you negative split it where your aerobic was 9 and you started off at 940, you did 920, went 9, and then all of a sudden you're running 750s at the bottom? You're not. That's fine. It looks impressive. Yeah. It feels good. Better than the first one. It's better than the first one. And it. But you're not aerobic anymore at that yeah. point, no matter how great you feel, unless yeah. it's downhill. You're just not aerobic. And that's okay. Sometimes you have a little kick and a fast finish at the end. Yeah, but a lot of times people don't think about that aerobic effort needs to span the majority of whatever the workout you're doing. Yeah. Especially as it comes Otherwise, to you're just learning to suffer. The best description I ever saw of that, and we, we preach that all the time, and James, who owns our company, talks about this all the time, which is where I first learned it, starting, you know, 10 years ago, um, you're just learning to suffer at that point. But the best description that I ever heard was at that Jack Daniels thing that we went to where he literally drew it up. And I wish, you know, this was on video so we could see, but if your aerobic pace is this, and like you said, you start off at a seven minute pace. So you're running below your aerobic pace for that first mile or two, which looks, which is great. And if, if that were it, then that would be fine. But the rest of your run is slower than your aerobic pace. So you're not training your your aerobic pace even though you went another 10 miles. You're just suffering yeah. for no reason, <laughs> which is gonna which is not getting any benefits and it's going to make your next day's workout harder. But that was like he literally put it up on – I don't remember how he wrote it out, but he, he did it in a way where I was like, that's it. That makes perfect sense. Like yeah. if, I, if people are doing intervals in here in the gym in a CrossFit setting – and they're falling off, that's what I'm trying to get them to understand. Like, you're working at a pace that's it's just dreadful to watch yeah. <laughs> and to, to do. So, like, you've got to slow down on the front end. And even, you know, and the other factor that comes in a lot, especially around here, is the heat. Yeah. So I had my friend Ben, I ran with him, he's training for an Ironman, and he had, uh, one, he had done a 100-mile bike ride on Saturday, and the next day he had a 19-mile run, and within there he had a bunch of... Um, Basically, threshold intervals. He's training for an Ironman, he said? Yeah, he's doing an Ironman. I think it's just a week and a half. Good luck, Ben, if you're listening. I don't think he listens. But or I hope you did good. If it's yours. 
Uh, well, hopefully I'll get it out before <laughs> then. But he uh, he really struggled, and he hit the he just hit the wall. But he was, and I, I had mentioned this to him, but he was so intent. I went home before it got really ugly, but I knew he stayed out there. He was so intent on finishing the distance that he had no concern about the effort level anymore because it was so, and again, so hot. He was so fatigued. It was just everything was completely out of whack. He had been trying to finish through one of the nature parks around here, and about every quarter mile there's a bench. He was sitting down on the benches. He still had two miles to get home. It was a terrible struggle. It took him three or four days to recover. That's, that's what I was about to yeah, say. Yeah, and all for what? He just, he later that day, he texted, he had chills, he was suffering, he just, yeah. it was terrible. And he, he really, it was, it's a negative oh, training yeah. benefit. Huge negative. If he had just done 14 miles yeah. and been, uh, you know, I'm just, and Jack Daniels had said this when we went to the coaching clinic um, about how, after, he always said, just get 30 minutes. Anytime after 30 minutes, it's just, it's um, what's what I'm looking for, diminishing results. Mm-hmm. The longer you go, eventually, after two, two and a half, three hours, you're not even getting results anymore. All you're doing is suffering. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I give people, we use 500 meter row repeats a ton in our, in our training programs, and I get people up to 20 by 500. Um, and, the, and that's kind of the, the protocol is like you're doing 20 by 500 at a 151 pace. If it drops off at all, you terminate the session stops there i don't care if you're on set 12 you stop there and that just shows the sign of maturity of the client if they can do that or when you build to a tough it's the same with weight training protocols because you can do the same thing you go too heavy when you when you shouldn't be and we may say build to a heavy three and they and you know they write the results in and i failed on rep two i'm like it was not a max it was a heavy three so if you got four hours of sleep last night and you're in a fight with your girlfriend then your heavy three for the day was probably going to be like 75%, which is fine. You have to be okay with that. And the athlete has to be okay with that, knowing that the next day is going to be that much better because they made that choice in that moment. Yeah, and, you know, that's a good topic, too, is the impact of, you know, lifestyle on your aerobic training or in any training, ultimately. Um, And like you said, if you didn't get enough sleep and you're fighting – and it's and it's hot and you're fatigued. It can have an incredible impact oh, yeah. on your performance. And some days you just feel great, but other days everything's going wrong and it feels so much harder. Yeah. So at those those times, you know, for runners, you have to be willing to back off and either just say just call it a day. If you're not, if you can't, stress especially can drive can make it so you can't even run aerobically. I've experienced this many times where I'm so stressed about something. I try to go out and run, and I can't even stay aerobic because yeah. of just the stress. My, I'm not – the whole system isn't working properly. Um, so when people are so glued to a certain pace, it's 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 a negative. It can be a detriment. I've gone – like I said, I started running in 2007 or 8. I've had one minor running injury ever, and it's not because I'm some superhuman animal. I mean, yeah. It's not the main reason. It's not the main reason. It's just part of the reason. <laughs> But uh, we're kidding, by the way. But um, it's mainly because I, I take the, all those factors into account on a constant basis. And you never – one bad run is not a is not a lost career. And yeah. I've had a lot – I accept more bad runs than almost anybody I know. Yeah. I have called my wife so many times, like, I, I quit. Yeah. Come get me. I'll go back tomorrow. But I don't want to kill myself <clears throat> on any given run. So that the next day I can't go back and do it on a day right. when I did get sleep and I'm not as stressed out. And my wife's not mad at me anymore, which <laughs> rarely happens. And that's that's the 
that's the piece that people have to understand is it's not about that session that you're you're po getting a positive result from or a negative result from. It's what is it doing to you over your career? And if you do enough of those runs, like we we're talking about Ben and that, if he does enough of those, he's gonna is eventually gonna have to quit the sport that he loves. And that's that's the issue that we are trying to prevent people from getting into is having to quit CrossFit because they're completely beat up. Their shoulders hurt, their knees hurt. That's probably because you're not doing things completely right. Uh, I'm kind of the same way. Like I, even through competing for in the sport for five or six years and training competitively for longer than that, I only had one major injury. Now it was a broken neck, but still, other than that, I haven't had any other injuries. It seems like a legitimate injury, <laughs> but just that one, just that yeah, one just broken that one. neck, everything was fine after that. But I mean, it's it goes back to, you know, I got into good intelligent designs and good intelligent coaches early on in my career. And so they were guiding that the entire time. So, you know, I've never done it where, I, and, and I've been, you know, I have the coach's mindset. I think you're the same way you have the coach's mindset, which arguably limits our performance, I think. And I'm okay with saying that. Like that's so. why I yeah. quit competing is because I was thinking about stuff too much. Um, and we, we call it, um, you know, low IQ athletes and, not saying that in a bad way. Those are the those are the ones you want to compete in the sport. Um, but those are the things that help, held us in reserve and be okay with that. But you have to have a balance of that. Like you have to have that ability to go there when you need to go there, um, which I don't have as much anymore. But you also need the ability to to know where you are in your training program. You know, are you eight months away from your race? Then you don't need to push it. Like it should be comfortable. And just having that maturity in your training of being able to call a session. I think it's interesting what you said about <clears throat> how be, having that coach mindset can be a detriment because I, I will hire. So all, I just started a, I didn't hire a coach this year, but I previously hired a coach <clears throat> because I, I can't coach myself yeah. because every day I can justify whatever I do because I'm a coach. I'm my own coach. I'm coaching myself. I don't feel like doing this 10 mile run. Well, it's probably because I'm fatigued. So if I was a coach, I would tell yeah. myself, no, you probably shouldn't yeah. do it. But am I really, or do I just not want yeah. to do it? Cause it looks really hot outside. So I've hired a coach and even now I've used, I just started this week for a race coming in October. I have a printed plan that a coach had made me years ago, back in like 2013. And I love this plan. There's nothing magical on this plan yeah. whatsoever, but I, every time I use it, I print it out, I stick it in my on my desk or wherever I'm going to see it every day, and I just follow it. And I don't question it. I don't coach, yeah. think it. I just say, well, i got to do 10 miles a day. i got to do it, which is I know I can do that. I've done it with a coach before, and the stuff he gave me was less complicated than what I gave myself. It was yeah. so simple. I call it, you know, like when people, when, when I have athletes start asking me about stuff, and, and of course, I'll answer, you know, why why we're doing certain things, and I like to explain that to them because there is a level of intelligence that <clears throat> does help you in the sport, especially with CrossFit where there's so many different moving parts. But sometimes I tell them like, th that's not for you. Like, you just got to be an athlete. When I say three, two, one, yeah. go, you got to go, and you got to not question anything. That's and I use that for my endurance athletes. I say I always tell them I get. To, we've talked about this before, yeah. but I don't know if anyone listening has heard it. But I get to listen about to their. It's not anybody listening anyway. No, this is just for me and you. Uh, I get to worry about the results. They only have to worry about everyday training. And so, you know, like our friend Becca, who you ran with, I think today, when I when she when I first started coaching her, I don't know a month or two ago. 
I had given her what is what her easy aerobic yep. paces are, and she just yeah. was not having it. She was like, "That sounds terrible." Yeah. She's a former. She's CrossFit. She's done a lot of HIT workouts. She's more. She's a good marathoner. She's run a marathon she's before. More fast switch than most. Yeah. endurance athletes. Are. And so it felt like for her, it's like she's like, "I'm running a 10, 15 pace," and I think some of that is a little pride too. Mm-hmm. And as I know, yeah, I was gonna say. I'd- I, I do the same thing because you get to put the and I still have that. I shouldn't have run that run with her today. <laughs> that's not aerobic for me right now. <laughs> well, that's okay. You you know you're not but training I'm not for trying anything. to do anything either. Yeah. So I saw on the way over here today, I was going by our the nature trail, and out on the trail in the sunlight was I assume a firefighter. It was a woman wearing full fireman gear. She didn't have the hat and everything on, but she was wearing the jacket and the no. pants. And so I got to thinking about. You know, the 80-20 principles, and for me, that 80-20 principle is just how you break down, you know, what your training is, and within that, why you do each thing. So, you know, the aerobic running all has a all has a purpose. Then the 20% stuff, 15 tempo, threshold, whatever it might be, that has a purpose too. So when I saw the firefighter walking, I was wondering, I started thinking about purpose, because, you know, obviously, if you see a fireman walking out, they're training. Yeah. And I assume what they're probably trying to do is acclimate themselves to working while wearing something that creates an incredible amount of heat. Mm-hmm. But I got to thinking, if I was that person's coach, would I want them to do that? Now, I can't see what the rest of her training plan right. is like. She may This may yeah. be just a little short thing she's doing. Well, she's in, maybe she's training for something that's not just fighting for fire. Maybe she's right. training for some event. But I just reminded me then that a lot of times in this trail, I drive by the trails right behind my house. I see people all the time. They're out in the middle. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's direct sunlight. It's 1,000 degrees. There's heat advisories, and they're wearing sweatshirts yeah. to actually increase the heat. And my initial reaction, of course, I sweat like the guy on airplane yeah. with all the sweat coming down. You're probably not old enough to remember the movie Airplane. No, right? I just know I yeah. sweat the same way. So. so, you know, for me, like I'll overheat. There, there's, I don't need to increase heat yeah. at all. So I got to thinking if I was... That goes back to our original point of this whole podcast of training to lose weight. And you get into that mix-up of like, what are, if what I are you sweat doing? more, I yeah. think, and I guess they're thinking maybe it's thermogenic, they're, if I can make dress, yeah. if I wear a garbage bag, I'm going to sweat so much, it's going to be great, but it's hard to watch. I want to pull over sometimes. Now, the fireman, that's probably a different story. Maybe yeah. she knows what she's doing. They're generally really fit. They have yeah. a good concept, but I'm guessing... She probably is not doing maybe a ton of aerobics. She probably does yeah. not have a periodized training schedule yeah. that this is part of it. Um, and there's all these – it just gets me thinking. When I see the people in the sweatshirts, I want to say it's plenty hot enough. Yeah. Like you're not getting more well, out of it. You're what's just coming to my make, mind when you're, when you're talking about that, and even the firefighter, and like I said, we don't know her full stuff. But initially what my thought is, and this goes for everybody, but especially firefighters, we're trying to make them as resilient as possible. And if we're always beating them down, that's not making them resilient. So you can train and run miles in your firefighter suit, but if if that means your nervous system is fatigued all the time and your hormones are unstable all the time, when you go in to fight that fire, you're not on point. So if we can make you more resilient by staying submaximal, spending some time in that suit doing hard work, which is what fighting fire is, not a two-mile run, then that's going to make you more resilient long term. I agree, and I think you know, for me, like I look at a, a marathon or an Ironman training program, and the the Ironman itself 
is the is the whole as a whole is the sum of all the parts you put into it. Yep. And so if you don't have to put all the parts in one. Right. You don't have to do them all at once. Yeah. Every ride, every run, every right. workout. And I, this is what kind of brought it up for the firefighter was, are you yeah. are you trying to do the whole thing at once? Yeah. I would probably build a bunch of aerobic. You're going to get plenty acclimated to the heat yeah. in other ways. <laughs> but if you're trying to do that every day, eventually you'd probably have some benefit. But is it the maximum benefit yeah. you're going to get? Yeah. I said the same thing when I was talking to my cousin. You know, this was back 10 years ago when I... Started CrossFit, started the gym, which I didn't know anything. I was 22 year old, and just thought CrossFit was the end all be all for everything fitness, and I was invincible. Um, and he was in the military, and uh, I was I was talking to him about their um, fitness test, their two mile run, you know, push ups and sit ups. And I was like, correct me if I'm wrong, but if y'all got to run for two miles, you're in a, a bad position, and you're probably gonna die, right? And he was like, I mean, yeah, I guess that's a valid point. And it's like, what do, what do you even like? What is that firefighter doing? Like, wh- when is she gonna have to run for an extended distance in her firefighter suit? It just doesn't. doesn't yeah. Sense. Anyway, we're getting off and, on a tangent of that. Well, that is kind of a good tangent though, because as I was coming over, it, it, I think it's, it's, you can link them together, like, because a lot of the eighty twenty principle, or even the goals of your weight loss, is why, why and how. Good. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, you're looking for a whole. You're trying to the results you want is a whole thing, whether whatever that is, whether whether it's weight loss or whether it's improved vitality, it's still a thing you want to get to. Yeah. And there's different parts that you have to add together to get to that. And it always gets me thinking because I drive that trail almost every day, and I yeah. see so many people. I'm going to become like the like the the idiot on the trail that's just going to start writing training plans for people based on what I see them doing yeah. on every day. Like oh, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. Well, a shameless plug for us coaches. Like the, the, what this makes me think of is like, when you know why you're doing it, the reason we have jobs is because the, the difficult part is not necessarily what to do, but it's how to put it together. And so that's, I mean, like I said, a shameless plug, reach out to somebody that, knows how to put it together and let them put it together. Like that's where the value is. And what we do is putting all the pieces together, looking at the big picture and not just you going out there. I'm going to run to lose weight. So I got to run as hard as I can. So I'm working as hard as I can, which is burn as much fast as possible. And we know that that's not the right way. So get somebody that knows how to put it together for you. I agree because that also, when you, when you don't have a coach putting it together, your, your likelihood of doing it, I'm going to say wrong, even though wrong is not probably the right word, but Doing it in a way that's not giving you the maximum results yeah. and is leading you probably down a path towards injury, excessive fatigue, disappointment, discouragement. The coach is going to see that and the coach is going to kind of pull the reins back and, and guide you down that path and then give you the encouragement to do things on, your, on a day-to-day basis that are going to, that you might not be able to see that are going to lead you into. And sometimes, frankly, just having someone tell you on a day you're discouraged you're okay. Yeah. You're doing fine. Yeah. And well, and being able to, if you really, if that athlete really just is tired and fatigued and wants a day off, call it. to to just to say okay. for someone to say it's okay. Yeah. Like it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. It's going to help you a lot. Just it's okay. Just yeah. pat them on the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so often we we say like we're we're the guides. All all we're doing is guiding you. Like you know, people say, oh, I've had so many so much results within the six months that I've been with you. I'm like. I, I, all I've done is guide you. You've done the work. You've, you're, it's still on you. You get the fulfillment from making the progress. Like 
all I did was guide you in the right direction when you did it. Um, and so like, like you said, you, it, the other way leads you to frustration. It also leads you to what we say a lot is unfulfillment where you just get, get to a point and, and maybe you are a little bit successful, but you just get to a point where you're like, I don't even know what, and then just not fulfilled from it. So getting somebody that can help guide that, your why, God help figure out your why more and then guide you towards that goal. Yeah, for sure. Because there's so many times, as you know, when you work with athletes long enough, there's so many, you really see their ups and downs in life through their fitness performance and their training performance and their motivation. And you can just hear it in their voices or see it in their faces when they're struggling and they're discouraged and they're frustrated. And generally, it has very little to do with what we're giving them. Right. It has to do with the rest of their life. Like the biggest impact I see in performances is life, things that happen in life. Like you have kids, you lose your job, you have surgery, your relative dies, something happens. Those are the things that impact training. The training is pretty evergreen. It's not going to change that much. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, the coach being there to say it's okay to miss a session. So, I mean, I have that happen all the time where somebody messages me and say, you know, this happened last night or feeling like this today, like, and I just shoot a message back and say, take the day off and go for a walk or something. And they're like, oh, I can do that? Like, Thank you so much for letting me do that. I'm like, I didn't know I could do yeah, that. Yeah, you can do that. Like, I've mentioned before, though, I have one athlete, and Pam, if you ever listen to this, I'm talking about you. She, and I probably, I think I've been coaching her longer than anybody. We're going on a couple of years. And we use a, um, well, now I use a different app, but I used to use one with her called Training Peaks. And Training Peaks has a neat feature, which I think I mentioned before. But when you enter, when a coach enters a workout, when your result comes in, if you miss the workout, it turns red. If you do the workout and you get within like 25% of the prescribed or the um, the prescribed time or distance, it turns yellow. And if you complete it as is, it turns green. So green is good. So most, a lot of times, if you want to just zoom back and take a big picture of someone's training you can just see greens yeah. reds yellows and then you got to figure out why they have what they have pam has when we use training peaks i don't know if i've ever seen a red yeah and sometimes she'll text she'll say i had a bad run i'm a little tired and i'll just back her off a little bit but you know she's got that mindset she has a strong why mm-hmm. um and she's different mindsets for different people and so for her rarely does she even need additional she gets time off but rarely does she need additional days off because yeah. because she lets she's just got such a powerful why and such a powerful i don't know what it is motivation she just gets it done yeah. one way or another and yeah. that's so it's you got to know what the person and this is not to disparage my other coaching clients <laughs> they're all great and, but you know everybody's so much different and everybody's yeah. got different uh, reasons why yeah that's good it is a good stopping point. So, what else is new with you? You uh, spend a lot of time at the beach lately. <laughs> no, just went down there for three days. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, Mike, we need to record a podcast. Than we were. You're at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so, things still going good with OPEX, and yeah, you're still just, uh, building both the remote coaching and the on-site coaching. So, we've got um, building up the on-site clients too. So, if you're in the Jackson area, I'm still doing stuff around here. So, that's great. Good. Yeah, well, I think we covered some good topics for today. Nothing else to add? I don't think so. Crank up any, uh, we usually leave with some books or resources. I don't think we have any or mentioned any today. Brain FM was the only thing. 
So yeah, brain.fm is yeah, what Chris Mike McCormack recommended. Book is a good one. No, we're not. We're not <laughs> recommending the Chris McCormack book. But if you do like, so my last podcast was with Chris Warner, um, who is a high altitude leadership mountaineer, just incredible guy. He had recommended a book in his podcast called We Die Alone. And I listen, I love, it's a nonfiction book, and I love nonfiction Arctic and, and Antarctic survival stories, like from the age of exploration or from war. If you want to listen to a tale of some guy that is just, it's almost unbelievable that any human could survive this, check out We Die Alone. It's a guy, I don't remember who the author is, but I've listened to the audiobook, and it's absolutely riveting. It's amazing. But that's a plug for a book. Who's that, that about? It's, a, it's about a Norwegian named Jan Balsrud. And Jan was a, you know, in World War II, the Germans had taken over Norway. He had escaped to England, and then he went back as kind of a saboteur to try to, as part of the Norwegian resistance, got himself in a little trouble and had to escape the Germans over the Norwegian mountains into Sweden. It's, you can't even believe it. It's amazing. But if you want, I like those kind of books, those nonfiction survival stories, because I've done this in a coaching clinic before where I equate the behaviors needed to survive these survival situations are almost, they're present in different degrees yeah. if you, in, in endurance sports and endurance yeah. training. And I think those are the thing when you, it's almost the endurance stuff is almost like practice for life. So if you get in a survival situation, you're kind of practiced. You're more resilient, as you would say, yeah. and ready to do these things. So I like books that indicate that. But anyway, we're going up in an hour here. Sounds good. Mike McElroy, thanks Adios. for uh, joining or hosting. I guess I joined my own program this week. But, uh, <laughs> all right. We're going to sign off. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time.